So Money episode 1109, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. October 16th, 2020. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi, and you're listening to Ask Farnoosh, our Friday episode where we answer your money questions. If you've been following me lately, you know that I've started to abandon some traditional money rules. Yeah, like this summer we bought a house, which arguably is one of the worst times in history to buy a house, Yeah, depending on the data you're looking at and uh, how uh, volatile the market is. You might not think it's a great time to buy, but we did and we don't regret it. I also went into my IRA this summer and and moved some investments around because I just got way too nervous about where the world was headed and also my own risk tolerance, which goes against a lot of the tried and true advice of stay the course. And in my latest move away from what a lot of experts, including myself, have preached over the years, I've decided that I no longer want to leave a financial legacy when I die. That's right. My kids won't be getting any of my money when I'm gone. Instead, and I recently wrote about this for Bloomberg and the article went kind of viral, I want to experience my legacy by spending most, if not all of my money, on experiences and on the people that I love all before I leave the earth. And so that means gifting my money to my kids and giving it to other people and charities while I'm alive and while everybody including myself, is able to benefit from that exchange, right? So why would I want to give my kids their inheritance when they're in their 60s? This is assuming I live a long life. I'm giving them you know, money at a point in their life when you know they could have used it a little bit earlier, mom, as they were looking to start a business or buy a house or build a family. This is a mindset shift for sure. And I kind of reached this epiphany after interviewing finance giant Bill Perkins on So Money. He's the author of Die With Zero. And his advice really, really resonated with me. I posted the article online on Bloomberg and then I did a whole Instagram piece on it. And based on the comments that y'all left, I think it's something that many of us are considering these days now more than ever. So just want to start off with that new financial philosophy that I'm embracing, dying with zero. I have an update for those of you who have podcasts. I know that's not a huge segment of the population I'm speaking to right now, but if you have a podcast and you want to make money with your show, I have a free training on how to do this, how to make your first $5,000 with your podcast. Just uh, email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. And I will send you the link for a free five-day challenge that's starting on October 22nd. So how to make your first 5K from your podcast. Email me, Farnoosh at So Money Podcast. I've got a free five-day challenge giving you all the breakdown. And this challenge arrives on the heels of graduating, get this, over 40 new podcasters through my program that I share with Jacqueline Malone, the host of the Go To Gal podcast. She and I taught dozens and dozens of 
people this summer how to launch a podcast. And over 40 of them actually launched in eight weeks. On September 1st, there were a lot of new podcasts on iTunes and many of them were our students. So really proud of that. We're going to continue that program later this fall. And we're also going to have a program for those existing podcasters that want to use their podcast to have it be a growth engine for their business, make money. So take the five-day challenge if you want to get a taste of what that program is going to be like. And again, Farnoosh at SoMoneyPodcast.com to get that link from me. We had some important shows this week in case you missed them. On Monday, we had Julie Plake McMinn. You may remember her as Bethany Frankel's assistant on The Real Housewives of New York. She helped Bethany launch the skinny girl conglomerate that it is today. Now, Julie is a mom of three living in Pittsburgh, running her own brand marketing company, and this summer launched yet another business called The Learning Match. And The Learning Match is essentially a platform connecting families to trusted, qualified, and experienced educators in their local communities, and as well as, as, well as virtually all around the country. Access is free for teachers and during the current beta testing of the site at learningmatch.com, free for families. Julie started this right after she had her third kid, got together with two other moms, all of them struggling to navigate virtual school and their jobs and figured we probably aren't alone. Public school is not coming to our rescue and we need to find ways to fill this education gap for our kids. And so they started the learning match. It's kind of like a matchmaking site, but for teachers and families. I had a really interesting conversation with her on that. We also talked about Bethany Frankel. So you don't want to miss that one. And then on Wednesday, we invited Doug Nordman and his daughter, Carol Pittner, the father-daughter duo, raising your money-savvy family for next-generation financial independence. You know, talking about money, it's always tricky with kids. And now with the recession, you might feel a little bit more pressure to talk about why the family's cutting back on costs or the impact of a job loss in the family. And you know, it's normal for kids to be curious. And as parents, we need to engage, but how? Doug and Carol have a book and it has tons of their own personal experiences, how Doug and his wife helped to raise Carol to become financially independent, as well as real practical advice for everybody on how to have the conversations, how to instill financial values in your children as young as kindergarten. So check out Doug and Carol on So Money Wednesday's episode. Let's go to the iTunes section and pick our reviewer of the week. This person will receive a free 15-minute money session with me. And this week, we're going to pick Empowered Tease, who left a podcast review on a Thursday, calling the show Farnoosh the Rockstar, saying, I can't remember how I stumbled upon your podcast, but I'm glad I did. You offer up fresh advice with a nice side of energy that everyone can comprehend. The topics are broad, but all still revolve around the topic of finances, which is great. Keep the content coming. I'm now a certified finance fiend. Much love. Well, Empowered Tease, sending love right back at you. Email me, Farnoosh at SoMoneyPodcast.com. Let me know you left the review. Or you can reach out on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. Send me a direct message there. Let me know you left the review. I'll follow up with a link where you can select a time for us to have a free 15-minute money chat about whatever you want. Okay, let's head over to the money mailbag. All of these questions coming in through Instagram. That seems to be the most popular way to send in your questions. So I encourage you to continue doing that at Farnoosh Tarabi on Instagram. Our friend 
writes in and she says, Hey, Farnoosh, love your show. I'm 51 and I have the opportunity to take $100,000 out of my 401k penalty free. I live in Los Angeles and I owe $191,000 on my condo. I'm thinking to use the $100,000 to buy another property and rent out my current one. This would leave me with $123,000 in my 401k. I'm a flight attendant with a major carrier, 28 years. My job is secure, but I foresee a pay cut from my airline in the future. Is it wise to take out the $100,000 from my 401k? I have no other debt besides my condo. It's only offered through the end of this year and I would have to pay $33,000 in taxes. I don't plan to retire until 67. Okay, so I believe what you're referring to is a provision that came about this summer through the CARES Act, the Stimulus Act, which allows 401k contributors like yourself, as well as IRA contributors, people who have these retirement portfolios, the allowance to take out $100,000, up to $100,000 penalty free. So not paying that 10% penalty. Now, my understanding is that you can do this, but it has to be related to COVID. It has to be related to a financial hardship that is related to COVID. Okay. So one is maybe you or your spouse got coronavirus and this money is going to help you navigate, you know, the costs related to that. You've experienced adverse financial consequences because you've been quarantined, furloughed, laid off, or you had your hours reduced. Maybe you can't work because you don't have childcare right now, or maybe you had to close your business because of the virus, or you were financially affected by other factors uh, because of coronavirus. These are the qualified reasons for taking money out of your 401k or IRA penalty-free under this CARES Act. Now, even if you were allowed to do this, given that you don't have what it seems to be a lot of financial hardship, any financial hardship right now related to COVID, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it and here's why. You're 51 years old. You're retiring in the next 14 years. Taking out almost half of your retirement account, by the way, paying taxes on it as well, so it's not even gonna come to half in your pocket, is a huge detriment to your retirement. You will guarantee it need more than $200,000 in your retirement to support yourself. You're going to need a lot more than that. So I want you to continue contributing to your retirement account. I don't want you to take out your retirement, which is going to come at a big tax cost to put it into real estate. You could be earning a lot more in interest in the stock market over time than you will paying down a mortgage. I do want to mention that if anybody wants to take advantage of this, that there is a way to skirt the taxes. You can pay yourself back over the next three years. And if you do, you don't have to pay the taxes. You may have to pay them ahead of time, but then you can get reimbursed. But as long as you pay yourself back into your retirement account over the next three years, then you can avoid the taxes down the road. If you can commit to paying yourself back over the next three years in your retirement portfolio, then you'd come out more or less whole, right? With an additional real estate property. So that is the exception. I would say that if you can commit to paying yourself back over the next three years so that you not only avoid the penalty, but the taxes as well, then I'd say, all right, maybe you do this, pay yourself back with interest. But like I said, it's not clear to me if you can do this given that the withdrawal would not be related to coronavirus. 
Okay, next question is from Monica. She says, hey, Farnoosh, I'm a huge fan of the show. Question, my employer offers a 403A, which they contribute 9%. They also offer a 403B with no contributions. Are both retirement plans similar? Which plan should I designate my contribution to? All right, thanks, Monica, for your question. 403A and 403B. Let's talk about this. Not a 401k, but we're talking about retirement plans offered by employers. Sometimes they have different names, different codes. I had to look this one up because I wasn't familiar with the 403A. I've heard of 403Bs. They're like 401ks, typically offered through not-for-profits, schools, but they function similar to a 401k. Talking about 403Bs here. They function similar to a 401k where you make a contribution through your paycheck. It goes directly to your plan, your retirement plan, that contribution gets deducted from your taxable income. And this year you have up to, I think it's $19,500 to contribute the maximum to a 403B or 401k. A 403A, on the other hand, apparently is a relic uh, these days. There are not many of them being offered. And that's because They're kind of going the way of the dinosaur, uh, but they're pensions, essentially. Essentially, a 403A is an annuity contract. The good news here is that, you know, annuities, they guarantee distributions in retirement. You will absolutely have money in retirement based on this annuity and the annuity's growth. The downside is that sometimes they carry pretty high fees. So you want to understand the cost to contributing to this 403A. Now, I I do like that your employer is going to match 9%. That's really, really good. I'm wondering if you are a teacher. This is the sort of thing that a lot of teachers, public school teachers have access to. Uh, But again, it's, it's becoming rarer and rarer. So I would say that if you do have an opportunity to invest and you get the matching dollars in a 403A, which has guaranteed distribution in retirement, kind of like a pension. It's kind of a great thing. And you just want to be careful with the fees and any of the penalties associated with early withdrawal, things like that. Just a lot of it is is similar to 401ks of the world, but just learn up about that. And honestly, I don't know if you have to choose between one or the other. You might be able to do both because they are different, but this is a question for your HR department. And if you had to pick between one or the other, I would say do a 403A plan through work because they are pretty rare. You get the 9% match. It's guaranteed distribution in retirement. And then open up maybe a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA outside of work to get an additional way to invest for your retirement, one that is similar to a 401k. And you can supplement that with the pension because it may not be enough, the pension. Uh, And when you leave the job, you may not be able to continue to contribute, obviously. So having an additional retirement account that you can take with you anywhere, everywhere is not a bad idea. Sarah has a question about investing in this year's Roth 2020. She says, I haven't contributed yet. And I know I have until April of 2021 to do this. But my question is, should I wait until after the election? Because there are going to be fluctuations in the market. I think you know my answer to this one, right? You can't time the market. I was just talking to my friend, Joe Salcihai, who's the host of Stacking Benjamins. I was up here, I'll be appearing on his other podcast called Money with Friends uh, later this month. And we actually talk about the impact of elections on the stock market. It is true that maybe you know, on the heels of the election, 
There will be some volatility. I don't think this is going to be a locked certain election. We're not going to have results on election day like we normally do. It's going to be a bit of a longer process. And in that time frame, yeah, the markets might go a little haywire because there is a bit of uncertainty as to who will win. Or maybe it won't be uncertain. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not a political pundit. But I will say that over time, in the long run, it does not matter which way the election goes who is president, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, it does not over time, I'm talking, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, impact the market's direction. There's historical data to back this up showing that in Democratic presidencies, Republican presidencies, election periods, uh, sure, initially there might be some zigzagging, there might be some volatility, but if you look at historically over time, elections don't swing the market permanently one way or the other. So my advice to you, Sarah, is invest in your Roth IRA at some point between now and April. Maybe you want to do a little bit at a time as opposed to one big lump sum because emotionally, you don't want to see if the market does have a bad day, you know, that you put in all your $6,000 and the market tanks, you know, 10% one day. But if you do it maybe between now and April, putting in $1,000 every month, to get to that maximum contribution by April. And yeah, maybe there's a there's a down month, but you're not all in yet. And maybe it's even better because you're buying at the dip, right? I'm talking short term here. Long term, this is not going to matter at all. But if you want to buy yourself some peace of mind in the short run and you want to wait until after the election, go ahead. The most important thing is that you just do this by April 2021 so that you can have this go into your account and stay in your account for the next decade or two or three. And over those years, you will benefit. It won't matter what happens on November 3rd and the subsequent days. And we have a last question from Sandy. My partner makes significantly more than me. How to handle shared expenses like vacations and daily expenses. Well, Sandy, you're talking to the woman who knows far too much about this. And I've written a book about it called When She Makes More. You may have heard of it. Pick it up. It's got a lot of advice in there on how to delegate the finances in a relationship where there's income disparity, in particular when she makes more. But I think it's really universal advice for any type of marriage, whether it's two women, two men, a man and a woman, whoever's making more or less, they can take this advice and run with it. Now, I have advice for everybody, regardless of your income situation, whether one person makes a lot more or less or the same, you want to have three bank accounts, your account your partner's account, and your joint shared account. And in that joint shared account, you allocate every month a percentage of each of your incomes into that account that can then support the expenses that you want to share in. Maybe it's the vacations. Maybe it's the rent. Maybe it's all of it. There's income disparity. If there's one person making significantly more, you're going to have to make some other arrangements, right? Because you can't just take 5% of the person's income making, you know, $100,000 and 5% of the income of the person making $30,000 and assume that that's going to cover all of your shared expenses. There may be some expenses that one person is specifically in charge of and then others that the other person is entirely in charge of. So I'll give you an example. In our relationship, I make more than my husband. What we decided, and this is a personal choice in all relationships, what we decided would be the perfect scenario in terms of how to share in the financial expenses in the household in a way where each person felt valued and significant and a player 
you know, a, a contributor in the financial life that we're trying to build, but within each person's respective means was the following. Because my husband makes less, you know, it's not as simple for him to pay for the big ticket things that we pay for monthly, the mortgage, the taxes, things like that. I cover that because I have more liquidity and cash and income to cover that day to day, week to week, month to month. My husband makes a good income, but he couldn't pay the mortgage entirely on his own. It would mean not paying for other things. So that's not important to him to cover the mortgage every month. And, and that's fine with me too. But rather over time, his money can accumulate to do big things like pay for college, right? Pay for big vacations, buy a car. So he's more in the driver's seat when it comes to saving for long-term things. Whereas I'm in the driver's seat to pay for the day-to-day costs that keep the lights on. And that's sort of how we have divided it and conquered it. And that's the decision that every couple needs to make. And I think that it for us, this is the balance and how we have leveled the financial playing field, if you will, despite the income disparities. When she makes more, it's in paperback now. I think it's like $10 on Amazon. Buy it. People say it saves their marriage. I'm not joking. I know it saved mine. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is Friday, October 16th, and wishing you all a healthy weekend, a safe and healthy weekend. You know, numbers on the COVID numbers are ticking up higher uh, in New York and New Jersey and other states around the country. Uh, we're getting into the winter months. And so just want to make sure a reminder to myself, really, firstly, uh, to, to still play it safe, doing all the things that we have been, but being extra vigilant extra, extra vigilant so that we can all get back to normal soon. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Remember, you can always send me your questions at farnishatsomoneypodcast.com and on Instagram at farnishcharabi. See you on Monday and hope your weekend is so money. 